When I became a foster mom four years ago, I quickly realized there weren't many resources for foster or adoptive parents, much less for the millennial generation. That's where the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast comes in. Welcome to a no-frills look at the journey of foster parenting. It's millennial motherhood with real chats about all things foster care, from navigating home visits, court hearings, bio parents, and quote-unquote, getting to attach. Please join me every week for an honest conversation about foster care and adoption as a millennial mom. Welcome to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. My name is Brittany and I am a Millennial Foster and Adoptive Mom. My husband and I have had 10 kids in our home since we became licensed in 2016 and we have adopted three kids. We currently have four kids under eight and our youngest is four. We have one foster placement right now, but if you'd like to hear more about our story and how we came to foster, please consider listening to episode one titled Our Foster Care Story. So this week, I am kicking off a mini-series on post-adoption depression and anxiety. I'm going to be sharing my experience with it, and in the coming weeks, we will also hear from other foster and adoptive moms share about their experiences. When I first got the idea for this podcast, post-adoption depression was one of the topics I knew I had to cover. There's just not enough resources or information about it out there. So today, I'm going to share with you my experience with post-adoption depression and anxiety and what I've learned now that I'm on the other side. I'll also share my tips for maintaining your mental health. Before jumping in, I do want to put out the disclaimer that the episodes of this series may be triggering. I also want to say that I am in no means a healthcare professional, and the information in this episode and coming episodes should not be used to diagnose your mental health. I am simply sharing my story, and if you feel as though you are experiencing any of the symptoms discussed, please reach out to your healthcare provider. So I think this will probably be one of the hardest episodes that I've ever written, to be perfectly honest. This is going to be very vulnerable, and I ask that you listen with an open mind and an open heart, because what I experienced was very real and lonely and affects so many women. What is mind-blowing to me is that it is still not formally recognized as a disorder. In 1995, June Bond coined the term post-adoption depression syndrome to describe the stress, anxiety, and depression that many parents face following adoption. That's less than 30 years ago. And while I hate the acronym for post-adoption depression syndrome because it is literally PADS, it does encompass what it is. A lot of people have also identified having post-adoption anxiety, which is referred to as PAA. According to Ray's Magazine, over 26% of adoptive mothers experience post-adoption depression. And if we thought we were isolated as foster and adoptive mothers, especially those who experience PADS or PAA, can you imagine how adoptive fathers feel who are suffering from this? It's heartbreaking. When my son came home in 2017, we were already foster parents to Carson, so we spent the majority of the year adjusting as a new family of four. But it was a blur. But what I do remember was having so many feelings of guilt and shame. I felt so guilty we had not found our son sooner. I felt guilt that he had to go through such a rough start to his life and experience so much trauma. And I felt guilt that I would never know his first word or when he took his first steps. And that guilt ate at me. It made me ache inside and I still do get upset when I think about missing the first few years of his life. But now I also think about the milestones that I have been a part of. 
My post-adoption depression also manifested through anger. I remember I would get so frustrated when my kids couldn't do something or were being too loud. I would forget what they had been through that might cause them to be incapable of a skill because I had been able to accomplish the same thing when I was their age. Or I would forget maybe they had never been shown how to do something before. I was impatient and angry and full of all of these feelings I just could not navigate. So after Carson was reunified with his birth family that year, I just felt shattered. The pain of his reunification was so visceral, it felt like a death, and that's the only way I know how to describe it. I don't think I knew how to mourn him because it's such a weird situation. You know he's still out there, but you can't see him or talk to him. And all I wanted to know was that he was taken care of and being loved, and there was no way to get that information, and it broke me. There were also promises of contact that never came through, and it was just hard. But now I know that that's not everyone's reunification story. Contact is sometimes an option with the foster family post-reunification. But for us, it wasn't more than a few texts here and there, and that was just a huge adjustment. We experienced a disruption a few months after Carson left, and then we had another placement that ended up being extremely traumatic. Under the poor advisement of our foster care worker at the time, who has since been fired, she gave our personal information to the birth parents who were separated, and who would constantly harass us for pictures and contact. We had little to no support from our foster care worker on how to navigate this unchartered territory, and I remember feeling so upset because we were missing precious time with our son for these phone calls that took up an hour each week. I also remember dreading picking up my phone anytime I heard a new text or call come in, thinking it might be the birth parents. But as I was harboring these feelings of resentment for these birth parents, I also felt guilt for their son, who had no control over the situation. He was with us for six months, and looking back, I really wish we would have used our voice more in standing up for ourselves. Which circles back to those feelings of guilt and shame, because we signed up for this, right? We knew what we were getting into. Except you can't because foster care is like riding a roller coaster in the dark. You can't see where the hills and valleys are until you feel your stomach drop. When our girls came that fall, I think I hit a new low. We now had four kids under six and I was so overwhelmed. We had fought for our girls so hard, so I knew eventually things would settle down, which they did, but I couldn't see that far ahead then. We had a lot of issues come up with the girls. Without going into too many details for their privacy, this was a lot harder of a transition than my son's. The girls had been in five foster homes, and the last one they had been in had been for almost two years, so there were a lot more moving parts. We also had some safety concerns with some of the people involved in their case, and it was just a lot. I think oftentimes people don't want to admit that they are having these feelings of depression or anxiety as foster and adoptive parents because they don't want to sound crazy. They don't want to voice their concerns over their own mental health because they don't want to risk seeming unstable and having their kids taken away. As someone who has dealt with post-adoption depression and anxiety before, I can also say I never wanted to seem ungrateful. All three of our kids were transitioned to us with the intent to adopt, which was a long process in and of itself. I didn't want to volunteer the information that I was suffering mentally and emotionally because I didn't want to seem ungrateful. I knew then, and I still know now, what a huge deal it is that we've been able to adopt our kids. I never wanted to come across as indifferent to that, so I kept my mouth shut. 
and I'm pretty sure only my husband ever saw that side of me. I worked very hard to hide those feelings of depression and anxiety because I never wanted anyone to see me as less than since I'm not my kid's birth mom. So as we continued to adjust, Carson came back to us at the beginning of 2019, and we spent the year figuring out how to be a family of six. I also switched to a new job at the school of my dreams. Things were finally coming together, but I remember still battling those feelings of guilt and sadness. In fall of 2019, there was a weekend where my husband was working and I had pulled a muscle in my back, so I spent the majority of the day laying on a heating pad. But I felt so emotionally exhausted, I don't think I could have done a lot even if I wanted to. I had been experiencing more migraines than usual due to stress and just felt like I was in a fog. And I spent the majority of my days recovering from a migraine and trying to prevent another one from coming on. I remember laying on the heating pad and having this epitome that I finally had everything I had ever wanted. Four beautiful kids, a pretty great marriage to my high school sweetheart, a mortgage and a minivan, and a job that I had wanted since we moved to this town a few years earlier. But I still wasn't happy. So even though I finally had everything I had ever dreamed about, I was still not happy. And it finally dawned on me that something might be wrong and these feelings and thoughts might not be normal. And on top of the depression, I was also experiencing anxiety related to my kids, which caused me to have difficulty sleeping at night. If I heard a car go by at night, I would think somebody was going to try and break in our home and take my kids. I had to drive anytime we went somewhere because I was convinced if someone else drove, we would be in an accident. With medical issues, I was terrified because there are so many unknowns when it comes to my children's biological family's health history. My son had a migraine once and we went to the ER and had an MRI because I was convinced he had a brain tumor. We found out my daughter had asthma and I was so paranoid she'd stop breathing, I'd check on her multiple times a night. I would not let my kids out of my sight when we went somewhere. Even if we went to the park, I didn't want them to be too far away from me. It's almost like I was scared a vulture would fly down and scoop them up. My fear of something happening to my kids or someone from their past showing up and trying to take them took over all of my thoughts. Now, as far as book smarts, I would say I'm pretty decent. So I don't know why it took me so long to put two and two together, especially since I had dabbled in counseling before and experienced depression in middle school and high school and since it runs in my family. But post-adoption depression and anxiety really is a different beast. Obviously, I've never had any biological kids, so I don't know what postpartum depression is like, but from what I've read, it sounds pretty similar. But I feel like adoptive moms who experience post-adoption depression are not taken as seriously because we didn't birth our child. Let me just say, just because my child didn't come out of me does not mean there's not chemical changes that occur in a mother's brain when they become a mom. I remember I nested like nobody's business when we were getting ready for our first home study. The connection and love I feel for my kids consumes me. And one of the hardest parts of this type of depression is feeling like I'm not good enough or not a real mom because I didn't give birth to my kids. Giving birth does not make you a mother. And just like getting a woman pregnant does not make you a father. It is what comes after that shapes motherhood and fatherhood. And at that point in my depression, I was so sick of being called a foster or adoptive mom. I just wanted to be a regular mom. So I deleted every single foster or adoptive mom off my Instagram feed. I wanted to disassociate from that label because it felt like it came with such a heaviness. With trauma and birth parents and not meeting my kids until they were well over two years old, it was just too much to try and process. 
I also searched post-adoption depression hashtags and found a post from a woman named Amanda. She had a picture posted on her page about experiencing post-adoption depression, and I felt gutted when I realized I identified with everything she had said. I messaged Amanda, who was a complete stranger at the time, and expressed my gratitude for her sharing her experience on post-adoption depression. It was the first time I had heard a real story about it, and not just from someone in a dusty, outdated book from the library. I am hoping to have Amanda on for this mini-series to share her experience, since she is an integral part of my journey with post-adoption depression. Okay, and I do just want to throw this out there that... When some women suffer from post-adoption depression and anxiety, they do end up regretting having adopted their child. I never experienced that. Um, I never felt like I wished we hadn't adopted our children. So I just wanted to put that out there. If you have felt that way, um, that is one of the bigger symptoms of post-adoption depression and anxiety. But I never personally experienced that regret. So once I finally accepted these feelings and realized I was missing out on the time with my kids I had right in front of me, I decided it was finally time to make an appointment with a doctor. I'm a typical mom and only go to the doctor when I'm sick, and even then, it has to be severe. So it took a lot for me to make this appointment. I explained to her how I was feeling, and we had a long chat about what my post-adoption depression looked like. I felt heard and I felt seen. She validated everything I was feeling and that's why I think it's so important to find a doctor or medical professional who will not shut you down when you share this. I started on an antidepressant and the amazing thing is, since it helps me mentally and emotionally, my migraines also decreased significantly. And I'm not saying antidepressants are a cure-all, but for me they were the key to pulling myself out of that dark headspace. One of my biggest tips for maintaining your mental health is finding what works for you and your family. Since I started my antidepressants last year, I've been in such a better place, and I finally feel like the mom and wife I've always known I wanted to be. I feel like I'm finally giving my husband and my kids the best version of myself since I'm taking care of my mental health. If you identified with anything in this episode, I urge you to reach out to a trusted healthcare provider. And now that I've shared what is probably one of the most vulnerable, personal, and private experiences, I hope this can open up the conversation for post-adoption depression and anxiety even more. If you are battling this right now, know that you are not alone and your feelings are valid. (sighs) I feel like I've just been to therapy and we all need to take a deep breath before jumping into roses and thorns. So it's time for my Roses and Thorns part of the episode. If you are tuning in today for the first time, Roses and Thorns is a time to discuss a high and low from the week. I like to start with the thorn so we end on a good note. So, thorn. I started selling my clothes about a month ago on the app Mercury to make some extra cash and room in my closet for new school clothes. I even listed some of my husband's clothes on there. I've made a decent amount on there and everyone I've interacted with has been very nice and polite. Until this week. I sold a fleece of my husband's and it took about two weeks to get to the buyer. And she left me a horrible review for things that were out of my control. And it really just left a sour taste in my mouth. So, if you ever have an issue with something you buy, try privately reaching out first to see if anything can be resolved before leaving a poor review and rating that is permanent. So, my rose for this week is that yesterday was our first day of school 
And I don't think I've ever had a job where I have felt so reassured that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it is a really good feeling. And I feel so grateful that this dream of mine of being a classroom teacher in a public school finally came to fruition. So that is going to wrap up this episode of the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast can be found on almost any podcast listening app. If you listen through Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate if you would leave a positive review. I'm up to eight reviews so far. With more reviews and downloads, the podcast will show up in more searches and can reach more foster and adoptive moms. If you could please leave a review or a rating, I would so appreciate it. And a huge thank you to everyone who has already taken the time to leave a review and a rating. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast is created using an app called Anchor. I hope this episode helped you to learn a little bit more about post-adoption depression and anxiety. Or if you are currently walking through this, please know that you're not alone. Like I mentioned last week, now that I'm back at work, I'm going to try my best to continue to upload each week. I would much rather upload a shorter episode than none at all. In the upcoming weeks, I hope to share more stories of post-adoption depression and anxiety to not only shed light on this issue, but to share our journeys with it. It is very therapeutic to share it openly. I sincerely wish that more resources were available on post-adoption depression and anxiety, especially to those in the process. I felt completely blindsided by mine because I never even knew it existed until I experienced it firsthand. And if you are experiencing post-adoption depression or anxiety, know that it does not make you any less of a mom and it doesn't mean you don't love your kids. I am hopeful that the more we talk about it and raise awareness, more people will learn that this is a real issue affecting adoptive parents. would like to add to anything we've mentioned today reach out and i'll share it with the listeners if you would like to connect you can find me on the millennial foster mom podcast instagram page or you can email me at the millennial foster mom podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in and listening and remember motherhood is hard no matter how you get there but together we've got this mamas talk to you next week mm-hmm.